This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth and plant it deep in us. Pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the word, our Savior. Amen. So begin with a rhetorical question. I think it's really a, a really super simple question, but I don't want to put anybody on the spot, so it's just rhetorical. So just answer it to yourselves. What is the seventh month of our calendar year? Okay. Easy enough, right? Easy enough. Now, what happened this year in the seventh month that was pretty amazing? Remember, on July 20th, the Deer District was filled with about 65,000 people who were gathered there with anticipation and expectation that the Bucks would win in six, right? Bucks in six, right? And they won. Right, And it, it was amazing. The people who were gathered there at the Deer District that night, and those of us who watched at home on TV, we could not, many of us anyway, could not remember what it was like the last time the Bucks won the championship because that was 50 years ago. Okay. We'll make some connections to that in a minute, all right? So today... We're continuing our series, which is a study of the book of Nehemiah, uh, an Old Testament book, right? And, and the theme of our series is forward no matter what. And to kind of keep us all on the same page, make sure we're, we're tracking together, just want to review briefly where we've been at. The, in week one, Nehemiah came back to Jerusalem with a God-sized vision that they would build the wall around the city of Jerusalem. They would rebuild that wall around the whole city. It was a God-sized vision. And we thought about it and we said, you know, we think that God's given us a God-sized vision too. That, that the day and the time and the history of the world that we live in, we think that, that God wants us to have a hybrid ministry, not only physical, but digital, so that we can actually not only reach our neighbors and our community, but the global community as well. God-sized vision to go into all the world and preach the good news. And then the next week, we saw with that, that God-sized vision that the people of Nehemiah's day, they all had their own part. They all had their own part of the wall that they were to take care of, right? They had their own part of the wall that they were to take care of. And we thought about that and what that looks like for us, that we all have our part of that God-sized vision. We all have a sphere of influence. We all know people in our lives and we all have a reach out into the digital world as well. 
And then the following week, we, we learned that as they had this God-sized vision, there was opposition from the outside world. There was a guy, Sam Ballad, and another guy, Tobiah, and they, they had these countries and armies behind them, and they, they kind of pressed in and persecuted, oppressed the, the people, made them insecure, tried to make them insecure anyway. And uh, we saw, too, that that's, that's the way it is for us today, too that there are a lot of ideologies and worldviews that are in direct conflict with Christianity. And then last week, we saw that there's not only opposition from the outside, but sometimes, unfortunately, opposition even from the inside. As the people back in Nehemiah's day were, were pressing in on the poor people, the, the downtrodden and, and things. And we talked about uh, last week how sometimes in the church today, we, we don't remove burdens from people. We don't release them from the difficulties that they're in, but, but we press on and, and hold on, okay? So as we think about all those things, a, a God-sized vision our own role in it, opposition from the outside and the inside, what we see that we need to really go forward is for all of us, no matter who we are, we need spiritual renewal, okay? All of us, no matter who we are. And so today we are going to, to look at that question of what are the steps of spiritual renewal? Let's go then back to the book of Nehemiah. We're going to start with the very last little bit of Nehemiah chapter 7 and then jump right in to Nehemiah 8. It says, when the seventh month came, and the Israelites had settled in their towns. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So the square by the water gate, that was the busiest intersection in Jerusalem, okay? That was, if you will, their dear district, right? And they were gathered there with anticipation and excitement and expectation and check out what they wanted there. They, what they wanted was to hear the word of God. You see, it had been a long time. They had been off in Exile. They had lived in a culture that didn't get into this whole one true God kind of thing. And the people were used to just having the word of God passed down to them, word of mouth, one generation to the other. You see, they didn't have the YouVersion Bible app. They didn't have Bibles in their houses. They just relied on it being transferred from one generation down to the next, word of mouth, and they wanted the word of God. They wanted to make sure that what was being passed down to them was, what re was really what God was saying. And so as we go into that square of the water gate, that dear district that they were in, crowded, packed, full of people, if we lean into it, we can hear them chant, okay? And, and they're not chanting bucks and six, bucks and six. What they're chanting is, bring out the book. 
bring out the book. We want to hear from God. See, sometimes today, as, as we look at the Word of God and, and other people look at the Word of God, the, the Bible and, and things like that, the, the, one of the ideas is it's an ancient book. It's an ancient book. Well, I want you to know already at the time of Nehemiah, it was an ancient book. Okay? By the time Nehemiah came around, the part that they're going to be reading was already a thousand years old. But here's the thing. The Bible teaches timeless truths to today's people, no matter what day it is. So the psalmist said long ago too, he said, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What's the first step of, of spiritual renewal? Huh? Bring out the book. Bring out the book. And the account continues. He, Ezra the priest, read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra was reading from the book of books. And so you know, the, I, I, it didn't pass me that they did that from daybreak till noon. Do you understand how much we would like to do that? Daybreak till noon. They listened intently. They were mesmerized. Hearing and reading God's word, it wasn't a, a to-do list item on the agenda to check off. It, it wasn't a word-by-word word thing. They, they put themselves in the story arc of the word of God. And they lost all track of time. Asking for a friend. If you ever read the word of God and it was just kind of like one word after another, after another, and you finished a verse or, or maybe even a chapter and you really didn't have any idea what you read. But you read it. Asking for another friend. I got a bunch of friends. Uh -huh. Did you ever get to a, a story in the Bible that you, you knew? You, you know, you know this story, and so you kind of just like super skim read it really fast because we got that one down. What a difference it makes. When I sit down with the Word of God, and I'm not trying to check off a to-do list item, what a difference it makes when I'm cognizant of God and His presence 
right there with me, sitting beside me, as I read the very words that he has written for me, for you. What are the steps of spiritual renewal? Bring out the book and be present in the story of the word. The account continues. Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them and as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites instructed the people in law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. So they're gathered there in that big old deer district type thing, and the word of God is being read to them. And they picture themselves in the stories as they're being read. They're present there. And as they open up the book of the law of Moses and they hear in the beginning God created, they pictured what it was like. They thought about all the stars that were being made. All the trees, all the animals. They, they saw the glory and majesty of God. They just pictured it as God said and it was so. They thought about the universe. Universe means one word. God said. And it was so. And their mind was blown away in awe at the power and glory of God as he made one thing after another, visible and invisible. And they were present in the story of Adam and Eve. And they walked right alongside Adam and Eve as they walked in the garden in the cool of the day with God. And they had smiles on their faces. Just with Adam and Eve and with God. And then in horror, they saw Adam and Eve go to that tree and, and pick from the fruit and then eat it. And they saw how Adam and Eve changed from being full of joy and happiness to fear and insecurity and guilt and shame. And they, and they not only saw Adam and Eve run into the thick lush, they went running with them and they were afraid. And they were shaking and hiding too. And then they saw God come. And God say, they heard God go right at Satan and said to him, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. 
the people received hope that God was going to fight for them. And they went on and, and they were standing there by the long gray-bearded Abraham. As God came to Abraham in his old age and told Abraham, through you, one of your descendants, one of your great-great-great-great-grandchildren is going to be a blessing to the whole world. And then they found themselves present in the story of slavery in Egypt. And they could picture what it was like making those bricks out of straw, being whipped and scourged, not having any food really to eat and having this oppression. And they were there as God brought on those plagues and set them free from Egypt. And they were walking along with their ancestors outside of Egypt into the, into the desert. And they're making their way toward the, the promised land. But the Egyptians come running after them with their horses and their steel chariots. And they're fearful. And they've got the Red Sea behind them and the enemy, or the Red Sea in front of their enemy behind them. And then God opens up the Red Sea and they're blown away. They get to go through on dry ground and then the water comes crashing down on their enemies. They're delivered by God. And they make it through and they're in the wilderness, right? But because of the people's sin, they don't get a, a straight route to the promised land. Instead, they wander around in the wilderness, in the desert, the blown sand, the, the scorpions, the snakes, the lack of food, the lack of water. And then finally, they walk into the promised land with their ancestors. It's completely different. It's beautiful. The gardens are green and growing. There's water all over the place. The, the cows and the sheep, they grow fat. And it's amazing. And in horror, they see their ancestors, because they're so wealthy, push God to the perimeter of their lives. Until he's so far out that he becomes irrelevant to their ancestors. And they push God off the cliff. And it dawns on the people of Nehemiah's day that they're just like their ancestors. They've taken God for granted. They've pushed him to the perimeter of their life. They have sinned too. And they wept. I remember the first time I read the Bible through, I was in high school. I couldn't believe 
the filth in my soul. Hebrews 4 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And even today, when I think I got a handle on my sin, I, I think I know what it is. I, 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 I'm, I'm re- God created me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. I, I got this. I know, exa- I know exactly where I need to repent, I think. And, and then what I find out is there's actually another layer. I, I'm, I'm not at the core. There's, there's another layer there and uh, another layer after that. I thought I had it. There's just another layer. You know what I've found out and what I think you'll find out too is that at the heart of every sin, no matter what that sin is, whether it's pride or selfishness or, or, or weary or, or greed or gossip or grudges or, or whatever it is, at the heart of every sin is this. De-godding God. Moving God out. Idolatry. See, if we kept the first commandment, we would automatically keep the rest. And when we break the other nine, we've actually already broken the first. What a great God that we have, that he would point our sin out to us because our sin wants to destroy us. What are the steps of spiritual renewal? Bring out the book. Be present in the story of the word and be convicted of sin, of my sin, not someone else's. To that big crowd that was weeping, Nehemiah says, go, and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. See that seventh month for them, that that wasn't July for them, that was October for them. That was their seventh month. 
It was the month where they had celebration after celebration. One was Rosh Hashanah. This was, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas combined. But they they are convicted of their sin. They just don't feel like celebrating because it's so heavy. I mean, imagine if we're in that holiday season that, that we have and suddenly you find out you have this really big dad. And there's absolutely no way, no way you could pay that debt off. Your debt is so great, your bank account is so low, your credit is so gone that you can't even buy food, let alone presents. Probably wouldn't feel like celebrating a whole lot. But imagine into that situation. If someone came in and paid your debt in full, filled up your bank account, gave you blessing after blessing after blessing, I think that would change you and me right away and we'd be celebrating. That's what Nehemiah was saying when he said to the people, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, see, it gave God great joy to send Jesus into the world to remove your debt of sin that you couldn't even begin to pay. And to not only remove your debt of sin, but fill you up with blessing after blessing after blessing that will continue on for all eternity. See, our strength, our hope, our happiness is what gives God joy. And what gives God joy is sending Jesus into your life and mine. Jesus who lived, just as Pastor Ben said, and, and our you know, forgiveness of sins, Jesus who lived that perfect life in our place, died the death that we deserved so that we could be with God and have all of his blessings. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What are the steps of spiritual renewal? Bring out the book. Be present in the story of the word. Be convicted of sin and celebrate Jesus removing all sin. Celebrate Jesus removing all sin, all of your sin, and all of everybody else's sin too. The joy of the Lord. And the account concludes. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites were to live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees, from myrtles and palms and shade trees to make temporary shelters as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God and in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until to that day, 
the Israelites had not celebrated it like this. And their joy was great. So back in the day, God had said, you know, man, build these temporary shelters. So you remember what it was like for your ancestors to live in that wilderness. Build those temporary shelters so you can see what a great home you have right now. So you can see my deliverance. And so the people of Nehemiah's day, they heard the word of God. They heard they were to build the shelters. And they did it. They did what God said. Loving God. How, how do you know if you love God? 1 John 5 says this. This is love for God. To keep his commands. See, the, the, the people didn't just hear the word of God. The people just didn't put themselves in the, the story along with their ancestors. The, the people just didn't connect the dots that, that they, and become convicted of sin. The people didn't just celebrate that God had delivered them. They did what God said. Jesus said, blessed Rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. James, the brother of Jesus, says it this way. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by actions, is dead. Obey the word of God. Take care of the poor. Those who are needy. Love your enemies. Share Jesus with the world. Proclaim freedom for the captives. These aren't suggestions. Spiritual renewal. What are the steps of spiritual renewal? Bring out the book. Be present in the story of the word. Be convicted of sin. Celebrate Jesus removing all sin and do what God says in love. So here's the thing. There's spiritual renewal, right? But you're not gonna go it alone. This isn't suck it up buttercup and do it. Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is present. And he'll take you into that word and he'll work in that word. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And he'll convict you of sin and he'll lead you to 
celebrate your forgiveness. And he will give you the power to obey God's commands in love. Let's pray. O Lord, shape and fashion us in your likeness that the light of Christ may be seen today in our acts of love and our deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. In the powerful and saving name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.